Welcome to a 40 Guard Threat Intelligence Podcast. This is episode 13. This is going to be a year in review looking back at 2018. I'm Alex Harvey. And I'm Douglas Sanders. And with that, we have vulnerability and malware. So the first kind of topic we're going to talk about is kind of the vulnerability and malware we saw over the course of last year, mainly highlights. And then we're going to also talk about kind of the takeaways from the breaches that happened last year as well. So with that, the first one we have is VPN Filter, which was a router malware that was doing man in the middle, stealing credentials. Um, this was a noteworthy one primarily because the FBI, through major mm-hmm. news agencies, announced that they were requesting that people reboot their routers. Yeah. Um, because this vulnerability would live in RAM in the mm-hmm. routers, and basically servers were getting DDoS. So they were hoping that by people rebooting their routers, it yeah. would help fix at, that. At least get rid of the stage. Yeah. Right, yeah. Get rid of the some of the malware yeah. that was sitting on people's devices. Because they had a coordinated effort so that most ISPs and security vendors were blocking the, the, the command and control and the URLs that were downloading the second stage so that the, the advisor that FBI and the Department of Homeland Security uh, pushed to, to the public was more so that they could get, get like rid- uh, yeah get rid of at least some of the infections that and were going on right? and some of the noise yeah and some of the noise because there was about five hundred thousand devices there that, that is a massive botnet right? yeah massive botnet mm-hmm. and not only that it was affecting such a wide scope of routers it wasn't yeah. like it was one vendor it yeah, was like, pretty much every major vendor yeah like from asus Huawei, Linksys, microtic like most of them netgear yeah, and some network attached stuff, and, and some well. NASes as well. Yeah. It, basically, a lot of the embedded Linux mm-hmm. distros that were being used had a service running that was causing mm-hmm. them to be vulnerable to this. Mm-hmm. So this was a very big one in 2018, more just because of the nuisance it created. Mm-hmm. But once it was basically dealt with, it died down pretty yeah. quickly. Like yeah. we saw it pretty much vanish mm-hmm. after a couple of weeks. It was no longer newsworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than that, just in general, the infection basically, once it got kind of blocked out, it basically disappeared. Yeah, it had, it had a few interactions, right? Uh, the, they have they released it at first stage one and stage two, and after they were releasing more uh, stage three modules that were able to do man in the middle, as you yeah, said. Man so in the middle, browser it, it, credentials. It, had, it, had, it lived for a while, and then it, it, it disappeared. It yeah. disappeared, yeah. Um, the next couple we have are actually related to Android. So Rampage, which is a DRAM exploit on Android, uh, that was talked about very, very briefly. Um, it had a cool name, which is probably why it made some headway, um, based off something called Rohammer Attack. Basically, it would hammer the memory, and from that, it could get the RAM to glitch or read the state of memory, um, basically allowing it to escape the Android um, restrictions on RAM. Memory isolation. Yeah, the memory processes. isolations between yeah. processes. And it's it's an effective attack, but we've... It don't really think it ended up getting used in the wild. It was a very interesting white paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than like the first talk about it, we didn't see much about it. It wasn't weaponized at all. It wasn't really it wasn't weaponized. weaponized. If it was, it wasn't for very long. Um, there was a patch for Android that dealt with this, so most of the modern devices are no longer vulnerable. Um, yeah, so it's, it's mostly a physical attack, right? Because it consists of a, a leakage in charge between the cell memory yeah. cells. So it's, it's uh, like... Uh, Alex was saying, the, uh, similar to the raw memory exploit, in a, in a yeah. sense that would would try to write and read memory memory adjusted memories of yeah. uh, pieces of memory, so that would would flip bits on other adjacent memories. So yeah, that's that's mostly because the memory cells are so densely packed that they ele- can, electric charges get can move between <laughs> them. Yeah. So that one was an interesting one, more from theory than anything else. 
Um, after that, we saw Triute or Triout or Triute, which was a Android malware packager, if you want, or toolkit. So Triute was interesting mainly because it would allow um, someone who wanted to release a piece of malware to basically go to the the app store for Android, the Android store, download an application, package it up with Triute, put it back up in the the store, and now the original software still runs the way you expect it to, but it's wrapped in this layer of malware, yeah. which would allow them to intercept phone calls and allow them to see SMS messages, mm-hmm. uh, basically allow them full access yeah. to your device at the end of the day. And from your point of view, it'd be, oh, this app looks like the one I want, but oh, the company selling it is free. The company distributing it looks slightly off or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So they could basically make a lookalike of something that's there in terms of name and get something released. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we usually don't think that as much because we as cybersecurity professionals, we already have a keen eye for this stuff. But imagine our, our grandmas, our, our moms and yeah. dads, they, they don't have an eye for it. Even some some like people that are, have our age, uh, are connected, are like yeah. leaving uh, the online personas. And they they don't they don't care. They don't they don't update their phones. They are not looking at this. They click yeah. on the first thing they see. So this is uh, they, their main target, yeah. right? Also, just like localization, like changing the package titling and descriptions mm-hmm. to be in a local language for a mm-hmm. package that hasn't been distributed in oh, that yeah, region that's, that's a nice, is another yeah. one that's been used mm-hmm. for malware. We saw it being used in other Android malware, but mm-hmm. with Trio, that's something again that's very easy for them to do. And all of a sudden, you're targeting areas because you're targeting the language. And you're going to come up higher in the rankings in the legit app just mm-hmm. because of the language. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. all that malicious actors uh, need, right? It's like yeah. a f- f- popular framework that works and you can package different... You package things and up then, and then you go. Yeah, away you go. Yeah. So Google is always trying to clean up the app store from that. They do a pretty good job, but you know, stuff does get through. After that, we have NetSpectre, which is a Spectre-like attack using network. It was, so it's a network-based timing attack. Mm-hmm. Um, Really cool concept. Again, we didn't really see it getting used in the wild. Um, most likely related to the fact that it was gigabytes of data to transfer to be able to get like one bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was such a large <laughs> amount of network traffic. You, yeah, you make so much noise that somebody would... would Someone would notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what's going on? Just, My Netflix is running slow. Some, yeah, Someone must be trying to that. steal something. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it was an interesting in theory. Again, we heard about it very, very briefly and then it kind of vanished off mm-hmm. the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an interesting proof of concept, and it'll be interesting to see how long-term mm-hmm. kernel development for Linux and BSDs and things like that take into account the potential for these kind of attacks. So with that, we have Foreshadow, which was three um, vulnerabilities um, targeting, basically v- it was VMs based. Yeah, um, there was the software guard extension that's part of the trust execution environments in Intel uh, process. It's basically a way that Intel processors allow applications to run secured code within enclaves, uh, and that's something that's used, for instance, by by Netflix. They want to uh, deliver the content to you, yeah. but they don't want you to have access to it. So uh, for DR, Intel, DRM compliance, yeah, for DRM yes. compliance, uh, so they can uh, run code inside uh, an environment that's that's inaccessible to other to other parts of the processes, and they they thought that. Even on systems that were uh, vulnerable to Spectre and Meltdown, if you have code running uh, on a SGX protected enclave, you would be you would be, be uh, good to go. You would be safe. 
but uh, this attack actually allows you to steal the encryption keys of these enclaves. Yeah. So Not basically, so <laughs> lay, by by leaking those in, the, those encryption keys, you are able to duplicate the enclave with and see different permissions on. and see what's going yeah. on. So that was an interesting one. Um, again, a great theory attack. It got put into, it got patched in the end. Um, so it's an interesting one from a theoretical standpoint. We didn't see very much use of it again. The thing with a lot of these is truth be told, I don't think we're gonna see a lot of these vulnerabilities get used in an attack. Um, and when we do, it's gonna happen potentially years in, in the future, right? We're gonna see it a year from now, not immediately for some of these, just cause they're very sophisticated. Um, I'm mainly thinking here of NetSpectre and Foreshadow. Like these are very, very sophisticated mm -hmm. kind of attacks. Rampage would be kind of in um, the same attack. Mm -hmm. Again, they're fairly sophisticated for Rampage, mm -hmm. very sophisticated for NetSpectre, very sophisticated for Foreshadow. And we're, we're seeing more and more hardware-based attacks, right? Researchers focusing their, their efforts for into understanding yeah. how cheap works. That's that's uh, for even for uh, Intel-based processors like the, those vulnerabilities, but also for Bleeding Beat and uh, Blueborn as well. Those lots yeah. of uh, focus and attention. And on that. hardware, yeah. which the next one is perfect because yeah. the next yeah. one is Cold Boot, <laughs> which was a hardware attack. So Cold Boot was essentially um, bypassing the trusted compute module um, on a computer to gain access to what's in RAM. So this is a take off of one of the RAM-based exploits where you could basically read what's in RAM with a machine that was password or secured by basically turning it on and off really, really quickly, freezing the memory, and then pulling the information out of the memory. Because as long as the memory is super cooled before essentially the machine gets, you pull the quote-unquote power, um, it will maintain its state for a short period of time, so you can either transplant it or gain access to the system. So cold boot was kind of similar in the sense that you're accessing something that's in memory, um, but the idea was that they would overwrite the firmware on the device to allow them to essentially access the device. Um, so they were using basically a programming uh, clip, which is designed to clip onto SPI-based flash, which is what's used for the BIOS. They'd clip onto it and they'd reprogram um, basically the firmware to a certain degree to allow them to use the machine to pull stuff out of the RAM. Um, it's an in the cold boot attack really one it requires physical access to the machine, very good knowledge of that specific hardware, mm -hmm. pulling it apart um, for potentially getting something in RAM. Mm -hmm. um, it was an interesting one from a point of view that, you know, it's a different take on that physical attack, but it's not necessarily the most practical way to get data. Yeah. There's a lot <laughs> easier ways. Um, but it's an interesting read more than anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, with that, that brings us to the next one, which is PowerPool. Which was the um, uh, malware that uses, used uh, Sandbox ALPC uh, privilege escalation on Windows 7 and 10. Yeah. Uh, it basically was sent uh, by email. Wait. Originally was sent by email, yeah. yeah. One yeah, of the original yeah. vectors was via email yeah, for via that email, one. Yeah. Yeah, there was, well, at least that researchers found was via email. Yeah, with a symbolic link. Yeah, with a symbolic link to the malware. Mm -hmm. It was, one of the interesting things with PowerPool, it did get patched by Microsoft fairly quickly, um, but it was another, it's an escalation and bypass vulnerability on Windows 7 and Windows 10, and those are typically high value and usually high usage. Um, but this one was, it worked. Um, I'm sure it made its way into some malware. Um, but the patches are out there. And that's one other thing, actually, we'll talk a little bit kind of in our recap, but I'll mention it here, is we're seeing the lifespan of vulnerabilities is significantly shorter in 2018 than I think we've ever seen before. 
Microsoft is getting a lot more aggressive with their ability oh, to yeah. patch. Yeah. Windows 10 specifically, Windows 7, you're not don't just you're not doing great. <laughs> but Windows 10, Microsoft's ability to get patches into the hands of the majority of its end users is greatly, greatly improved. Forgetting all the other fiascos they've had at the moment with their updates, but focusing on the good of it, the vulnerability, their ability to get, there's a vulnerability, let's get a patch for it, let's mm -hmm. get it into the Windows update, let's make that security update get pushed out. They're very, 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 very quick on it. Because a vulnerability like PowerPool could have done massive damage before it would get normally handled in like the Windows XP days. Yeah, the, the, the vulnerability disclosure was was not so so good. Yeah, right? this was one of the ones that got leaked, <laughs> yeah. which is why I'm talking about this process, is essentially yeah. a researcher leaked this vulnerability before notifying any of the vendors yeah. involved. It was like hell it, on there for a few yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah, it, it got basically posted on Twitter, I think. Yeah. I believe it was, anyway, a mm -hmm. comment about it got posted on Twitter with enough information to give people mm -hmm. direction. Um, but that was a case where the patch was basically released within a couple of days. Like they were able to get everything done within about a week. Um, which is really, really nice to see that happen because mistakes happen, people post things they shouldn't, people talk about vulnerabilities that they maybe shouldn't until they're resolved, or at least, you know, vendors have had a chance to kind of make progress on resolutions. Um, but the fact that they've been able to shorten that pipeline to get those resolved has made a major difference. So the next one is Pegasus. So Pegasus is a piece of spyware, I guess, more than and I say spy space where, not spyware as one word. For governments. For governments, <laughs> yes. Um, that was made by a NSO. by NSO, which is a security right. research firm, um, and it was sold essentially uh, to countries and governments. Um, yeah. they, they they vetted the yeah. the person who their requirements are. We don't know what their requirements are, but it is vetted before it yeah, is sold. It is sold. Um, but yeah, no, so we talked about that one because it got basically leaked um, in terms of information about where it was used and that it was been sold to 45 different countries. And, and there, there was reports of some countries misusing them. Though, misusing well, yeah. it, yeah. So to track journalists and other yeah. high-profile high targets. High-profile targets. Yeah. So it basically a lot of information about it got leaked. Um, but this is basically a very, very expensive mm -hmm. targeted piece of quote-unquote spy. Mm -hmm. And then where a little bit separate. Um, there but was it, the case that was it was leaked to an underground forum and, and uh, there was one person trying sell, to sell selling it. it for 50 times the value just because he was sell to selling anyone. it to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so <laughs> Pegasus got a lot of coverage last yeah. year. I think we spoke about it in two or three podcast episodes. Mm -hmm. So the next one is an interesting one. This is another hardware attack, which is Bleeding Bit, which is a BLE denial of service mm -hmm. attack, which affects a lot of high-end um, access points that have BLE beacons built mm -hmm. in because um, it's affecting... Um, two chipsets from, I believe it was TI. Yeah, it's Texas Instruments. Yeah, it's the two TI uh, chipsets. I'm just trying to find mm -hmm. the actual, give you guys the actual models of what the chips are. There we go. It's the TICC 2640 and 2650. Um, it also had a remote code execution vulnerability that was affected it. It affects a lot of products as it's used mm -hmm. in a lot of enterprise access points. Um, it's really, it's a specialized BLE beacon device. Mm -hmm. um, almost all of that, I think at this point, they're starting to patch. It was a tricky one because of the fact that it's running on embedded devices. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's gonna be devices that are gonna still be vulnerable to this one for years to come. Oh, yeah. um, just because you're talking about updating firmware and devices everywhere, mm -hmm. which is potentially not even controlled by the operating system. Mm -hmm. We're talking one step lower yeah. than that for a lot of these. People have time patching software. Imagine operating systems, systems. that are our chips, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, 
if they even have the way an easy way of doing it because yeah, yeah. a lot of them might not even have the tools in the os that's running on it to patch the firmware on mm -hmm. these chips so bleeding bit was one of the first we saw like this or one of the bigger impacting ones i mm -hmm. should say um, I think we're going to continue to see more of I think of it these. was the first one on Bluetooth low energy. Because Blueborn was on the Bluetooth, Bluetooth stack, the yeah. fragmentation of the Bluetooth stack. And Bleeding Bit was on the first on the BLE, BLE yeah. yeah. Or at least targeting those specific yeah. chips on BLE. Mm -hmm. um, and it also had a remote code execution, which is mm -hmm. kind of an interesting one to yeah. see there. And with that, kind of the last one we have for this list is Port Smashed. Uh, or Port Smashed, which is a hyper-threading attack. Um, so this was, again, kind of in the same family... Mm -hmm. in the idea of Spectre that we saw going on a lot in the last 18 months plus or almost two years mm -hmm. now, um, where basically there's vulnerabilities in um, timing attacks that allows them to see information they shouldn't be able to mm -hmm. see. Uh, and that was the port smash one is related mm -hmm. to that. And it was built on top of uh, essentially uh, the hyper threading, which is built into mm -hmm. a lot of Intel processors. Um, yeah, it tries to exploit uh, part contention between logical units within the CPU. So uh, once it, uh, it builds gadgets in memory to try to, um, as, as you say, it's a timing yeah. attack, it tries to send a lot of data and try to read that. And uh, if it reads that it has, uh, it's sending more data into a logical unit than it can bear, then it starts to leak some data. And then it can read that yeah, and, and gain access to something. Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting attack. Again, we've seen a lot of these this year, but we haven't seen a lot of these weaponized. So that's the vulnerability and malware highlights for the year. Um, mm -hmm. There was many, many more, but these are the ones we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, having that, we'll talk a little bit about breaches. We mentioned a bunch of breaches over the mm -hmm. course of the last year. Um, and this is kind of our recap on things that we noticed that was a common thread. We noticed that a lot of the breaches that happened either had no 2FA or had misconfigured 2FA or were using insecure 2FA. So what we mean by that is they were using 2FA over SMS, text messages, mm -hmm. which can be intercepted misconfigured usually in the sense um, that they have accounts that don't need 2FA aka 2FA is disabled on those because they're development accounts or whatever purposes and there's no auditing or special monitoring or restrictions on those accounts mm -hmm. if you have 2FA accounts for development please lock them down so they only work from inside your organization mm -hmm. don't allow them from externally essentially gaps in your 2FA security if you want so those are kind of around 2FA that we noticed and that would mm -hmm. say would account for a large chunk of the breaches we saw this year that was one of the the common threads was either no 2fa or misset up credentials around 2fa say aka 2fa accounts that are are secure audit or accounts that don't have 2fa enabled mm -hmm. and they're accessible from everywhere and no additional restrictions even though they don't have 2fa um so that's one of the things we saw i, I think that was like that covers like 95 percent of the breaches mm -hmm. we saw in the last year some of them were also because of uh, unattained, uh, unexpected uh, ways a feature could work, like the Facebook View S yeah. and the Google Plus as well. And that uh, that's basically DevOps, right? Yeah, that, <laughs> that's a little on. bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of logic there. Whoops, yeah. but those happen. Um, those were the other two leaks that we yeah. saw. And then the last one we'll bring up is patching. Is one of the things we notice is again, there's been a couple of them, but less this year than previous mm -hmm. years. Is that patching gets missed or people are not patching in time. Mm -hmm. Um, or, or patching correctly or patching <laughs> correctly um, and that's the other one is making sure that critical public facing infrastructure is getting patched um, but that's we've been saying that one for mm -hmm. years um, the good news is we're noticing is that a lot more there's a lot more 2FA and I think two-factor is being essentially used kind of everywhere now mm -hmm. um, from personal things that you want to access to corporate assets everything now sits behind a password 
and a, a token of some format, which is a massive, massive jump from where things were two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. But the other side of that is making sure that they're being used everywhere. Mm -hmm. And with that, that was 2018 and recap. Thank you. Have a good one, guys.